Welcome, everybody. My singing is still horrible. Oh, yeah, it is so horrible. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Into the Stratosphere. I'm your girl, Cindy G. How's everybody doing to kick off the start of this weekday, you guys? I mean, I know this past weekend there was a pay-per-view from WWE, WrestleMania Backlash. What in the hell? But if you guys want to listen to the full breakdown or review, whatever, suggest listening to the last episode of the Bullet Cast. Philip and Brandon did their recap and their thoughts of this pay-per-view, of course. I heard there's, like, zombies. Yeah, the only zombie I do care about is Rosemary and the rest of the member of DK, Sue Young, and Abaddon. Period. But with that being said, this is a non-WWE show. So yeah. Anyway, we are in episode 36. MDK! That is right. I'm so excited to share with you guys of this episode I just watched from the latest episode of Dark Side of the Ring. I say episode twice, three times now, but <laughs> it is what it is. So for today's um show, we have it's like a bit of a wrestling headlines. One is a really sad news. The other one is a good news, you guys. And then the independent wrestling results and upcoming show from across the state, of course. Just briefly. And then I'm going to be giving you guys my thoughts of the summarizing on um, the episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Where they cover Nick Effin Gage. That is right. I'm so excited to give you guys like my thoughts on it and everything. Then we're going to go into wrestling um, results and recaps. So results from New Japan Strong. Also, I'm going to be giving a recap of my thoughts of the John Moxley versus Yuji Nagata's IWGP United States Championship match at last week's AEW Dynamite. Also, my recap from NWA Power. Excuse me, Super Power, because I have a lot to say. And then you have is the, um, the usual recap from Impact Wrestling. And my overall thoughts of the um, the latest Impact Plus exclusive Impact Wrestling's Under Siege. Because there's a lot we all got to talk about. With that being said, you guys, let's go ahead and start off with some very sad news um, that happened this past Friday. So as you all know, Jerome Young, who is best known for New Jack, who wrestles in ECW, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and other promotion has unexpectedly passed away at the age of 58 after suffering a heart attack. That is right. I just found out about the news as soon as I wake up from a nap since I had like a long um, early morning shift. And then I saw it on the Discord chat of a group that I am part of. And I was shocked. So I was like speechless that New Jack has suddenly passed away unexpectedly too you could say like despite the fact that he has like a rap sheet of like controversial situation of his antics and also this whole man's transit incident and everything thing else i know new jack was trying to fight his demons especially like trying to prove that he is the realest gangsta Ever, you know, especially innovating like more of the hardcore turning to deathmatch wrestling altogether. Notably, like he started off as you know part of a tag team called the Gangsta alongside Mustafa Sai, where they won numerous of tag team titles from different promotion and 
including ECW, where he was the three-time World Tag Team Champion, twice with Mustafa Sa'i and one with John Cronus. I suggest you check out the tribute episode of New Jack where Philip did break down um, New Jack's accolade. And it's a pretty, you know, sad too, but his promo work is very amazing. Like, yeah, you guys, I mean, my heart, my prayers and condolences goes out to the friends, family, loved ones and colleagues and fans of New Jack. May he rest in paradise. With that being said, enough of this sad news. Now, I just found out we have, like, a really positive news, you guys. New Japan Pro Wrestling overseas. They're they're coming back and resuming their tour starting this Saturday, May 22nd, you guys. And it's going to be at the Nagoya Congress Center Event Hall. Which, of course, it is kind of, I think... It's kind of like the start of like their comeback tour ever since like they had to postpone new the remaining of the tour due to the due to the ongoing cases of COVID nineteen and also as I mentioned on the last episode of ITS that seven of the New Japan Pro Wrestling wrestlers have been tested positive for COVID and yeah you guys it is really sad however the tour they're resuming is the road to the Russell Grand Slam you guys. And it is going to be a pretty much a big event. The Russell Grand Slam is going to be taking place on Saturday, May 29th at the Tokyo Go Dome. And, like, the rest of the tour, like, on Saturday, they're going to start at the Nagoya Congress Center. And then for the remaining of the tour, it's going to be at at Kurigan Hall on Monday, May 24th, Tuesday, May 25th, and Wednesday, May 26th as well, you guys. So, New Japan Pro Wrestling did also say that they're going to take it very seriously when it comes to, like, the safety measure so that way that they're not going to be any more of this outbreak going on. Especially with the fact about the whole like vaccine shortages internationally. And I know New and Japan is trying their best just to regulate the requirements too. Like who is able to get the get vaccinated and whatnot too. So New Japan Pro Wrestling is back you guys. So yeah, just in time for like the big event. And then of course the summertime, they're just got to get ready for the build up for dominion you guys so yeah i'm very excited to see what's going to be happening next i know for a fact that like you know we got like some of the new japan pro wrestling stars that are still in state wise you know still doing like new japan strong and also with the whole cross promotion with other companies like with aew and impact wrestling but we'll see what's going to happen you guys i mean i'm very excited it's back so, yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. With that being said, enough of this short, brief wrestling news headlines. We're going to go now to the independent wrestling results. So, I got three shows for the results to talk about. And then, one upcoming shows. Actually, not one, but two, you guys. Because, like, I found out there's another show that's going to be coming up. Yeah, you guys. Anyway, so with that being said, let's go ahead and kick it up a notch for the results. So, IWA Miss South Presents Spring on Rising just had their show on Thursday, May 13th. And the event took place at the, the Arena A, or Arena, because they put a capital A at the end, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. So you have is Corey Strong, 
defeated Kevin Giza to retain the IWA Mid-South Junior Heavyweight Champion in a qualifying qualifying match. So it's like a number one contendership match. So just sorry, y'all. I thought it was like a title match, but nope, it's just a qualifying match. Then you have Zodiac defeated Gary Gandy. Jesse Bell's mother defeated Alex Crowley and retained her IWA Women's Champion. Jay Chris defeated Billy Timpton. The team of collateral damage consists of Gunner Brave and Sabotage. Defeated GK Fam consists of Piper and Prima Donny. Congo Kong defeated Daniel Luck in a dog collar match. Pompado Joe defeated Jay Marston. Truth Magnum defeated Larry D of Triple XL. Logan James defeated John Wayne Murdoch. And in your main event match, Tyler Matrix defeated One Call Manners to retain the IWA World Championship match. So check out IWA Mid-South Spring Uprising, available on IWTV or other wrestling stream services, but mainly IWTV. Alrighty, now, GCW Presents Draft Day just had their show on Saturday, May 15th. Took place at the Meet Las Vegas, of course, in Las Vegas. So you have is Jack Cartwheel defeated Jimmy Effin Loy. Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson defeated Bad Dude Tito. Jordan Oliver defeated Ricky Marvin. The Man of the Hour, of course, Leo Rush defeated our North Cal favorite, Starboard Charlie, which I heard that match was really brutal. So, yeah, you guys. Then the team of Second Gear crew consists of One Call Manners, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice defeated the team of Eli Everfly and the Ungodded consists of Damian Drake and Matt Vandergaff in a six-man tag team match. Shellac defeated another North Cal favorite, Juicy Finale. Effie defeated another North Cal favorite, Dark Sheik. And... Joey Janela defeated Allie Catch. Not Allie Cat, Allie Catch. Which I like her new gimmick. Better is more hardcore and she's now the realest person we all expected to see. And in your main event match, Nick Effin' Gage defeated AJ Gray to retain the GCW World Championship match in a death match. However, afterwards, surprise appearance from... John Moxley and once he was there him and Nick F engaged start brawling and that's where GCW went off the air holy crap there was a lot of talk about like when it, the match is gonna happen you know but you know with Nick F engaged he got a lot in his play dealing with John Moxley and now on social media he's now dealing with Matt Cardona yeah y'all it's weird Anyway, to check out GCW Draft Day, you guys can check it out. Available on Fight TV. And lastly, IWA Miss Out presents the Vic Philpott Memorial Hybrid Cup. Took place on May 16 at the Axel Rotten Memorial Hall in Connersville, Indiana. So in the first round, four-way match you have is John Wayne Murdoch defeated Blake Steele. Insane and... Vincent nothing and then in the first round three-way match Alex Crowley defeated Haley J and Lilith Grimm and then another three-way match first round Oren Vetti spelled V-E-I-D-T um defeated JC Rodden and Santu Jin 
And then on the last of the first round three-way match, Bobby Beverly defeated Mance Warner and Eric Ryan. And now we're in the semi-final match, either by knockout or a, or a tap-out match. John Wayne Murdoch defeated Alex Crowley. And then another semi-final match, Bobby Beverly defeated Oren Venite. And also in the special singles match, Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson defeated Calvin Tankman. And in the finale of the Memorial Hybrid Cup finals, the No Ropes Barbed Wire Death Match, John Wayne Murdoch defeated Bobby Beverly and become the winner of the Memorial Hybrid Cup, y'all. So congratulations to everybody that participated, including the tournament winner. You guys can check out IWA Miss Out on IWTV or other wrestling streaming services as well. Alrighty, so here's the upcoming shows for this weekend. So on Saturday, May 22nd, Agua is back and they're going to have their show, show at the... The undisclosed location at 409 South 2nd Street in San Jose, California. It is a RSVP event. Agua, please send a new level. That's right. Dave Dutra is going to be there. Juicy Finale is going to be there. Um, freaking Starboy Charlie's going to be there. Of course, Mike Hayashi. And of course, like Titus is going to be there too. So it is going to be a very interesting, interesting uh, show. So highly suggest check it out. The show starts at 5 p.m. So yeah, you guys, get your tickets right away. Follow Ugwa on their Facebook page, Instagram, and their Twitter page as well. And then you have is East Bay Pro Wrestling will have their six-year anniversary show on May 22nd at the Pachinko Square Garden, located at 1102nd Avenue in Pachinko, California. So you have is Meet is Creed will be taking on face. Um, Cliff Hang Hendricks. Yeah. And then you have the, of course, the Mr. East Bay Pro um, Tournament Battle Royal to, to determine the new Mr. East Bay Pro Trophy Holder. Then the team of Money, Power, Spec will be defending their Wrestling Warzone Tag Team Championship against the Honor Society. And then you have the team of Sky High versus the Dark Enforcer for the East Bay Pro Wrestling Tag Team Championship match. Kimmy will be defending her PSG Women's Championship match against Aliyah Mia Sweet and Jordan Blue. And in the main event match, Sorisa with Sander will be defending his East Bay Pro Wrestling Championship match against D-Rogue. That's right. The show is going to be happening this Saturday. Highly suggest check it out. Maybe Philip and Brandon might be there as well, you guys. So, yeah, stay tuned for everything Bullocast related. So, yeah, y'all, that is it for the results and also upcoming events from the world of independent wrestling. All right, you guys. With that being said, now let's go ahead and talk about, of course, Dark Side of the Ring, the latest episode of Nick F. Engage. So, I must say, I am very blown away with this episode, how Nick Gage is being real, raw, 
and opened about about like how he got into wrestling, including the world of deathmatch wrestling, his upbringings, and especially his struggles as well. So I love the fact that like they brought in a couple people they talk about about Nick Gage, like you have his John Moxley to his girlfriend um Sonia, I think that's her name. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's her name, and she's beautiful, by the way. Sonia to Brett Lauderdale, who is the current owner of GCW, and even they have David Arquette as well, too. And then other interviewer that I forgot that I couldn't think of, but yeah. So the episode was pretty interesting. I like the fact that Nick Gage they say like what how he got into wrestling. Him and his brother Chris, aka Justice Payne. Um, they saw his dad, their dad watching wrestling and they tuned in. And however, Nick's um, favorite match, how he got into um, deathmatch wrestling, was the exploding barbar deathmatch between Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack. Which that was pretty cool, you guys. That like he was very amazed with that particular match that got him influenced in the world of deathmatch wrestling. So he did talk about his upbringing, especially how he is going through a lot with the loss of both of his parents, mainly his mother, Mama Dukes, who was suffering from a illness and how he's trying to overcome like, you know, the pain that he's been going through. And he did explain more about like how does it feel like to be a deathmatch wrestler and especially he was very open, very blunt about it too, especially like at one point, like years ago, he had like a deathmatch. Um, were involving a lot of light tubes. However, the opponent actually like strike the the light tubes to Nick Gage, and it actually and it actually lodged it underneath his armpit. So a lot of the staff were like super worried about Nick that they had to like pull him, pull him, inject him out of the match. You know, making sure that because it was bleeding profusely. But Nick. He, he still want to continue. He still want to continue. He want to take the W instead of like, you know, have the match ended in a no contest whatsoever because he was bleeding profusely. So you could tell like he really want to continue on to have a match despite with this severe injury. And if he keeps going, you know, he'll pass out or end up, you know, you know, losing a lot of blood or death, whatever. It's like, it's really insane for Nick Gage. So, of course, he had to be flown to the hospital to be more cautious. So, they, yeah, he did talk briefly about, like, what his ordeal is, especially he was very open about, like, his struggle with drug addiction, like, started with pain medic with prescription pain meds to heroin, of course, because he just wanted to... Still keep going, especially being the the deathmatch wrestler as he is. However, that he did um he did um not quite remember about this whole like he was under the influence during his match against his brother Justice Payne. And of course it's like have to have like a plan B set. So I like how they're being more thorough of it too. And of course, like of course, like Nick Gage struggling to try to find a place to live. And so like him and his girlfriend were became homeless. And Brett Lauderdale did actually clarify because there is a part where like where like in the in a segment that like Brett Lauderdale did kick Nick Gage's out. And I like the fact that Brett Lauderdale actually went live tweet on his account on his Twitter account just to give his side of the story. And so 
Um, he did made a statement saying these were crazy times. I felt bad, but I had a two-year-old child with me and had to make a choice, which I don't blame him because like he chooses his family over his friends and what is best for for the child too. So I totally understand where he comes from, you know. And then, of course, they did briefly talk about Nick Gage's robbery. That's right. So they show kind of like the camera footages. And, of course, like, of course, him, all all of his face was exposed. No bandana covering. Which, that was funny because John Moxley did talk about it, like, during the episode where he received the email. And it's like, well, how come he's not wearing his mask like he normally does on his entrance? But not on a on a robbery too. So it was pretty hilarious, you guys. That part by knows like you know committing crime is not funny, you know. So yeah, y'all. So anyway, so anyway, he did serve his time time in jail. He spends like five years, you know, to do what he got to do, and then he came out until he did um, violating his probation that he had to be sent back to jail for another two to three to three years. So yeah. Actually violating the parole, you guys. So he got another um four years and three months. And I'm just reading Brett Lauderdale's tweet that he did make the um clarification about it too. So yeah. And so like he was very open. He did change a new leaf and especially he did talk about like the whole murder death kill gang too. So that's what I really like about it, too, like, how it actually cultivated with the more of a uh, fan base that he has. And he also did talk about, like, you know, his match against David Arquette, which me and City Wrestling Radio host Corey Smith, we were there, there in person, and we were like, holy crap. It was insane altogether, especially I remember seeing, like, you know, David Arquette getting bladed by a pizza cutter from Nick Gage. That was insane, y'all. So, I'm glad, like, they actually did cover, like, everything that happened, like, from the past to, like, what happened recently. And, of course, it did end it on the sad note that we did find out more information of why his brother, Justice Payne, passed away suddenly back in 2019. And so, of course, Justice Payne did commit suicide, and after he did, committed a carjacking robbery. So, that was pretty shocking to me altogether. But I know that Nick Gage is, like, in peace, and he's just wanted to continue what he's doing. Especially, he stated that, you know, by the time he hits 60, he's still going to continue on for what he loves, is doing rest is professional wrestling no matter what. So I thought this was a very well-composed episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And I was very blown away too. And it, plus, it was a very honor and privilege to see three of Nate Gage's matches. One is at GCW, Joey Janela's LA Confidential back in November 2018, the match with Dave Arcad. And then the after show, which is the GCW versus Suburban Fight Pro, where he defended his GCW World Heavyweight title against Brody King. And of course, let's not forget December 2019. Oh, I say November 20, November 2018. Yeah. December 2019. Oh, the one about the GCW thing is November 2018. Sorry for the botch, you guys. So December 2019. 
West Coast Pro Wrestling, Nick Gage had a match against the current um, West Coast Pro Champion, Hammerstone. And that was a very fun match. However, he did state it after everybody said, please come back. He said, oh, I'm coming the F back. And he did declare San Francisco and the Bay Area as part of the Murder Death Kill Gang. That's right, MDK. And it is an honor to witnesses altogether. I have you suggest to check out my YouTube channel, Adventures in Wrestling by Cindy G. It's under Adventures in Wrestling Chapter 11. So check it out, y'all. Anyway, you guys, with that being said, that's it for the Dark Side of the Ring um, review from yours truly. Now let's go ahead and go with the results from, let's see, AEW Dynamite. Only the match between... John Moxley versus Yuji Nagata for the IWGP United States Championship match. So that was a very fun match. I do enjoyed quite a lot, especially you have like a different like surprises going on too. So you have Yuji Nagata was accompanied by who has not accompanied by, but you have Renarita who is accompanying Yuji Nagata coming out, kind of like in a boxing style, like entrance. And then you have John Moxley, have Eddie Kingston, you know, being accompanied by us. Well, well, Eddie Kingston accompanied by John Moxley. And, of course, John Moxley coming out too. Wild thing. Dun, 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 dun. You make my heart sing. Yeah, I'm going to stop singing for that, or else, like, Philip will fire me if I continue on singing. Like, Interest to the song to me singing has already been enough of a headache for y'all, so my bad. So, yeah, so Moxley did came out to Wild Thing, and that is like a O to a very notable Japanese deathmatch wrestler named Asushi Onita. So, that was a very touching tribute for. For Moxley too. Hopefully it's just a one-off thing. But yeah. And so the match itself. It was a very decent match. And I do enjoy it a lot. And so a lot of back and forth action going on. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's very decent in a very time pace too. Like you have is Moxley hit Nagata with the lateral press. And then he did kick Nagata multiple times. Nagata did fake a drop kick to Moxley. Which... It was interesting, but catches Moxley looking up, and then he kicked him again, too. That's right, Blue Justice strike again. And while during the middle of the match, they show Rocky Romero was in the audience. And I was like, hmm, are we going to get a Rapunge Vice reunion? Because I know Trent did send out a tweet putting a lot of question mark and I was like yes come on we need a Rapunge Vice reunion like a one off or maybe have Rocky Romero being the honorable uh, member of best friends I mean I'm here for it y'all so <laughs> yeah so the matches that was amazing Nagata did apply the avalanche exploder from the top turnbuckle to Moxley Moxley and I got a day exchange strike as always as brutal Moxley with the enziguri and then he came back with the la lariat which actually take uh, Yuji Nagata down. And then he actually did another headlock, but Nagata escaped. So a lot of strikes going on until Moxley did hit that paradigm shift slash Death Rider. And thus, John Moxley retained the IWGP United States Champion. So, very solid match. Afterwards, Yuji Nagata and John Moxley bowed down, showing the signs of respect, you guys. And yeah. 
Like I said, it was a very decent match. And the question is, who will be challenging John Moxley? I have a feeling we're probably going to be seeing Moxley versus Rocky Romero because Rocky was like by the audience witnessing this. It's either that or Moxley versus, hmm, maybe Zack Sabre Jr. Because I know they were supposed to be starting up their feud between Sabre Jr. and Moxley, but then COVID hit and they have to like change the plan completely. But I mean, I would love to see it. Hell, I have... Sex and Virginia appeared on AEW Dynamite. That would be freaking incredible, too. Have him teaming up with Kid Sabian, of course. Two Brits. Um, two Brits going to be taking over AEW briefly. So, yeah, you guys. But a lot of wishful thinking going on. We'll see what's going to happen next in the world of New Japan, Pearl Wrestling, and the whole partnership deal, too. All right, you guys. With that being said, let's go ahead and go with the results for... New Japan Strong for Friday, May 14th, you guys. That is right. We're still in the continuing of the Collision Tour, you guys. So you have is Rocky Romero defeated AJZ, which happens to be, of course, AJZ wrestled for Ohio Valley Wrestling. And he is the nephew of current WWE superstar Dolph Ziggler and AEW enhancement star Ryan Nemeth, of course. Very interesting. And then you have Leo Rush and Brad Roster defeated Bullet Club. Consists of El Fantasmo and Hikaleo in a very brutal match, y'all. And then in the main event match, you have is Team Filthy. Consists of Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Chris Dickinson, and Danny Limelight. Defeated the team of Brody King, Carl Fedrick, TJP, and Clark Connors. Where Chris Dickinson was the last person eliminating... The newly graduating LA Dojo, Clark Connors. That's right. He has a new ring gear. His own entrances. You know, his still his hair still looks so great, like a 1970s surfer dude, of course. So yeah. So afterwards, um, Chris Dickinson got blindsided, attacked by Team Filthy, where Danny Limelight did deliver a low blow, and so all of them started attacking them him until Brody King made the save. So it looks like Chris Dickinson is no longer with Team Filthy, which is the right call because Chris Dickinson's also in Ring of Honor and he's part of a stable with Brody King and two other called Violence Unlimited. That's right. Hopefully we'll be seeing Violence Unlimited on New Japan Strong and I think that'll be the right call. And the question is also who will be the new member of Team Filthy? Who knows? But we'll see. All right, you guys. With that being said, let's go ahead and do the recap for NWA Superpower. The hell. Superpower. Let me just say this. I'm going to say it right away. This episode of NWA Superpower. Oh, my God. It was like a complete headache, you guys. I feel this is like rematch mania all over again with like past episode 8 of NWA power to freaking um the pay-per-view one match that's like the pay-per-view from back to the attack I know they gotta get ready for the upcoming pay-per-view next month you know so they better step up to the plate as well if they wanted to keep on keep on like you know continue on with it too so you have the opening promo where joe galley interviewing strictly business nick aldis did um 
stated that he is very upset that the 14-man battle royal for the number one contendership match will be will be at the pay-per-view. But then he started complimenting about like each of the members of Strictly Business, like Chris Adonis was being was the recent member of Strictly Business business for a short time and how he is very impressed with like the accolade Chris Adonis did by winning the NWA national um champion against Trevor Murdoch and then he did complimented Tom Lattimore despite the fact that he said he almost had the television um title at the back for the attack pay-per-view but of course it ended in the count at in like the time limit of course and then he also complimented Camille that she is going to be the future NWA Women's Champion, which Camille did state that she has an announcement to make, but she will definitely will fate, tell it to Thunder Rosa face to face. And so Nick Aldis still upset as ever, saying that because he's upset of this whole contendership match, the supposedly the NWA Tag Team Championship match, which is Tom Lattimore and Chris Adonis, will be taking on the current champ Aaron Stevens and Kratos. The match has been called off because the current champion can't compete in the 14-man battle royal, which is pretty much so dumb for NWA's sake. But then at the same time, it is pretty understandable too. But yeah, it was a pretty decent promo, but like threatening to like not um like called off the main event match that y'all promised for it seems to be a very bad booking altogether so anyway afterwards you have is a match of course for the nwa television championship qualifying match between matt cross versus mims it was a very solid match i do like the fact that like mims did deliver a brutal uppercut and especially the the sidewalk slam that he delivered to Matt Cross for two counts. So it's a lot of like a lot of back and forth counter, a lot of like having hitting moveset from Mims and counters from Matt Cross. However, Matt Cross with the springboard cutter and thus he picked up the victory and is now the number one contendership for the television champion against the Pope. However, you have Austin Idols and Tyrus coming out, demanding to speak with the Pope, of course, after what happened on the last episode of NWA Power, before the NWA Power search. Just want to let y'all know, it's been over two weeks ago. And so the Pope came out and he said he has no no time for it to. And so Austin Idol and the Pope has been like arguing, going back and forth, and how that... Idol say that he likes Pope's style and wants to shake Pope's hand. Like, he truly do. But the Pope declined it and he walked away. So, yeah. And then afterwards, you have is May Valentine interviewing Aaron Stevens about the the supposedly um, the title match that is already called off. But then what's next for Aaron Stevens? So, Aaron Stevens say that he is trying to... He has a new leaf in life, so he wanted to approach it in a positive way and then bring in more of the legacy of the NWA World Tag Team titles. And also, he did clarify that he has his concern regarding the partnership with Kratos. So he stated that he did hire Kratos to be the, his right-hand man, and he just wanted to send an example to Kratos that what it means to have like the title in like the right positive light to like what the meaning of the world tag team title i mean nwa is very much a notable company that was like there for so many years you know with like different title accolades and all 
this glory for to bring in the notable for the industry, you guys. Just saying. So, yeah, it's a pretty solid interview. I enjoyed it. And then you have a Sal Ronaldo versus Kratos in a no one in by ring size match, <laughs> and so. Kyle Davis did interview Sal Ronaldo as he is preparing to have like a rematch against Jared Kratos, and he said like he's like he doesn't need May Valentine or Tim Storm or even Danny Deals by the corner. He can handle it by himself. But then of course the match started, and yes, yeah, Sal Ronaldo got his butt kicked by Kratos really hard. Like holy crap! And Kratos, especially like like couple of the lariat, especially. The fact that, like, Kratos with an impressive vertical suplex for a two-count. Yeah, it's really bad. And at the end, Kratos did deliver a brutal German suplex, and thus he picked up the victory. Afterwards, you have another freaking face-off between Thunder Rosa and Camille with their perspective advocate. Thunder Rosa have Molina. Camille has Taryn Tutrell. And y'all, it's just another, like, catty argument, like, from two weeks ago, like, Thunder Rosa telling Camille, like, giving her history lesson of what it means to be the NWA Women's Champion, who is the Trailblazer and all that, too. And then Camille did talk about, like, you know, she's the one that carry NWA while Thunder Rosa is with another promotion. So it's been a lot of back and forth quarreling going on. It's just starting to get a headache. However, Camille made the announcement saying that, like, Thunder Rosa should definitely earn another shot of the number one contendership match for the NWA women's title, like the qualifying match. So the only catch is that Thunder Rosa should not be wrestling another promotion, which Thunder Rosa accepted. So yeah, you guys, we're going to get another rematch between Thunder Rosa and Camille for the number one contendership qualifying match. Whoever's going to face the current NWA women's champion, Serena Deeves, like, I feel this is like pretty unnecessary seg um, segment altogether. I was expecting that we'll be getting like a women's match altogether, but it did not happen whatsoever. And then afterwards, you have it's a match between Jack Stain versus Slice Boogie in a false count anywhere match. And it was a pretty good match. I'm not going to lie to you. I was very tuned in, even though the match was so long. So long and like getting in a slow pace, but both guys have been brutally attacking one another like holy crap and of course you have crimson coming out and he brought in a towel that i don't know what's going on he's gonna deal with the towel but anyone expected to but it was a solid match a lot of like you know chair shot from slice boogie hitting it to jack stain however jacks was about was about to deliver the running clothesline to Slice Boogie, but then dodge it to Crimson. And yeah, to quote Aaron Riff, stupid babyface move. Jack Stain grabbed the towel and he threw it in the ring and thus surrendering the match, and which caused the Slice Boogie to be the winner. Unfreaking believable. I feel this match was complete drag altogether. Like, what is the whole point of this rivalry going on, especially like, you know, Slice Boogie's having issue with not just Jack Stain, but with Crimson as well. It's just a complete headache. Afterwards, you have all the commentator, Velvet Sky, Tim Storm, and Joe Galley, which Joe Galley say that like, we're supposed to be getting a main event match for the NWA 
World Tag Team Champion. But then Strictly Business is nowhere to be found because they just left the building. And that's it for NWA Superpower. I feel that this is like a pretty much a lazy booking type of situation. We're going to get rematches and it's a sight for sore eyes. So for my grade for this, I hate to say it for the first time ever, I'm giving it a C-. minus. I wasn't even feeling the show whatsoever. But I do enjoy the Matt Cross versus Mims match. So yeah, you guys. That's all I got to say so far regarding NWA Superpower. Alright guys, let's go ahead and go with the recap for Impact Wrestling for Thursday, May 13th, 2021. And it's the Go Home edition before the Impact plus special for Under Siege. So for the before the Impact pre-show match you have is Tasha Steele defeated Jordan Grace. And a really solid pre-show match. I do enjoy the back and forth action going on between both ladies. Despite the fact that it's the feud for the upcoming knockouts tag team title match at under siege and i know for a fact that like tasha still i mean she is the mvp of this match altogether especially with that tilt a world head scissor takedown to jordan but jordan did counter with the backbreaker and of course you saw that tasha did threw um her arm sleeves to rachel aldering of course while while tasha did a couple hooks to jordan and especially to the corner, followed by a double rolling uppercut with a snapmare running knee. That was pretty impressive. But Jordan, she did um, the Mishinoku driver not once but twice. And of course, there's an interference going on by Kira Hogan during this match. But Rachel got involved, which has caused more distraction from Jordan Grace. So Tasha Steele delivered the crucifix bomb to pick up the victory, you guys. So it was a pretty solid match. And then for the opening of the match, you have is another knockouts match, you guys. Like, wow. You have is Rosemary accompanied by her fellow DK brothers, Crazy Steve, and Black Taurus versus Havoc for the number one contendership match for the knockouts championship match at Under Siege, whoever's going to be facing Deanna Prazo. And it was a pretty solid match. I mean, Rosemary and Havoc has history in the past. Since both ladies did debut on Impact Wrestling in other perspective, different perspective year. And it was pretty much, you know, your solid, like, um, decent match. Nothing too great about it, too. I mean, I'm very impressed with Havoc with the camel clutch to Rosemary. That was, like, a pretty much a brutal submission. And I know Rosemary was trying to do the, the miss, but then she hold it back, of course. But she did the upside-down um, missile drop kick into the running splash in the corner to Havoc. But then again, a lot of counter going on until Havoc did counter the reverse DDT and she delivered the tombstone pile driver and thus pick up the victory. And afterwards, Deanna Prazo came in and attacked Havoc before she escapes briefly and then... Rosemary and the Decay definitely corner her, and Rosemary did send Deanna back in the ring. That's where Havoc started attacking her. Kimberly and Karen, I mean, Susan was running towards the stage, but then they stop and run back because of the Decay, scare the holy crap out of her. And thus, Havoc delivered the tombstone pile driver to Deanna and, you know, sends message clear of course so yeah this is like a good way for a good call for Havoc to be the one that's going to be facing Deanna Perazzo I mean I really honestly without due respect Rosemary but we've seen this match before a couple months ago facing against Deanna Perazzo and of course look what happened it didn't 
it didn't go as planned. Plus, she needed to focus on is like you know, along with the decay facing Brian Myers, of course, that's the main thing too. So yeah, it's a really pretty much a right call altogether. And then of course you have the backstage interview, GM Miller interviewing D Elite 2.0 as I call it, Good Brothers and Kenny Omega as. They're talking about the upcoming match with Finn Jews, but then Kenny Omega still disappointed with, of course, the Good Brothers saying that they really need to pick up their victory. And the funny part thing about it is Kenny was wearing all the titles that he wore, all his three championship match, like from the waist all the way to the upper chest. Because y'all know that, like, um, on the episode of Busted Open Radio, Bully Ray was very critical about. How MD Nakazawa was the one that's holding the Impact World title and the AAA wrestling title while Kenny was wearing the um, AEW World Heavyweight Championship title like two to three weeks ago on Dynamite. That was when Kenny Omega was talking about like who's going to be the one that's going to challenge him at double or nothing. So you all remember that. And I know Bully Gray was very critical about it saying that if it was Impact Wrestling Management, they would have... They should be infuriating about this situation. So that's why Kenny is wearing all the t- title, like from the neck, from the chest up to the waist. So it's very interesting, say at least. Alrighty, and then you have is the six squares gravel match for the number one contendership match for the X Division Championship match. You have is Pretty Williams versus Rohit Raju versus Ace Austin versus TJP versus Ace Romero versus El Fantasma, and that was a very like surefire match like I am very impressed altogether especially AC Romero normally most of his striking ability for all the contenders TJP with his infamous like submission hold especially like with the whole more of the collegiate wrestling Rohit Roshu with the death hammer driver to to Ace Austin of course however the one thing that everybody was talking about is El Fantasmo's um, moves at the top while he grabbed TJP on hand. He did the top rope. He did the top rope and then first kicking Rohit Rashid and then he did the Death Hammer Driver. Not the Death Hammer. Sorry about that earlier. The Death Hammer Driver to Ace Austin and thus landed everybody outside of the ring too. So I know a lot of people was giving crap about El Fantasmo's um, signature move that I consider as choreographed. It's because some people are not familiar with his, his in-ring work, especially for those who has been following up with New Japan Pro Wrestling. No, but it's funny that ELP did respond with like, you know, F you haters, all that stuff, you know, because he is the heel hangback headbanger, of course. So, of course, at the end, you guys, while Madman Fulton and Larry did, did brawl outside of the ring, of course, Alpha Tosmo did the diving crossbody to Petey Willie after TJP did the detonation kick. And, of course, he did with the Mamba Slam, but didn't miss. But Alpha Fantasma did deliver the crossbody and pin Petey Williams, and thus, and thus ELP won by Petey Williams. With the CR2 finisher, of course. Solid match. I am very impressed all together. And then afterwards, you have is the backstage office where Susan and Scott Demore and Kimberly were there. While Susan was asking Scott Demore that she wanted a match and all that. And Scott did deliver, like, you know, a couple options until, like, Susan said she's very tolerable that she's going to be having a tag team match. Her and Kimberly versus Tennille Dashwood. 
and Taylor Wilde at Under Siege, which Kimberly was very shocked and she disagreed on it together because she wanted to communicate. So you can see there has been like a brief of like a downfall going on between Kimberly and Karen, of course. And that's going to be possibly playing a huge part of it, which I'm going to be talking about it when I'm going to talk about Under Siege, like their tag team match against Tennille and Taylor Wilde, of course. I like the fact how Karen screamed, Team Justice! So, <laughs> so funny. And then you have your typical video package from Violent by Design. They EY they say that there's going to be some changes going on and they're ready and they're guaranteeing for it. So curious to see what's going to be the changes since I know EY is dealing with a torn ACL. So they're probably going to add one more member. We all thought it's going to be W Morrissey, but it didn't happen since um, Big W is doing his own thing. Who knows, you guys? Maybe someone from New Japan or AAA or even AEW. Who knows, you guys? And then you have is Willie Mack versus Sam Beal. It's just your typical, like, showcasing match. I mean, Sam Beal with the impressive pop-up uppercut. That was pretty awesome. But then, like, the good counter going on. But then Willie Mack delivered the frog splash and thus pick up the victory. And afterwards, Big W starting to attack Willie Mack brutally hard. And definitely he did lay him down after doing the big boot and then the lariat like who we and then you have is carl anderson with the with doc gallows and kenny omega versus dave finley with juice robinson and eddie edwards and eddie edwards kendo stick named kenny of course um it was a good match but there's like a lot of distraction going on a lot of back and forth like between Carl and David, of course. Like I know they're trying their best to like you know counter stir, but then like you have like both of the team providing the distraction as it is, and there has been a little bit of a brawl outside of the ring too. But you know, it is what it is. But Doc Gallus did um did make sure that like he is dodging from from the suicide dive from Dave Finley, of course, and then hitting Carl with the Batbreaker for a two count. But then, of course, Dave Finley locks into a variation of a Indian death lock before Kenny Omega did intervene and attack Dave Finley and thus causing this match in a no DQ. Like, holy crap. And then afterwards, melee hits all together where both teams are, like, killing each other, like... It is pretty interesting to say at least with that. And of course, at the end, they actually made this save like the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. So, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, you guys, then you have is Jordan Grace talked about, you know, that she she's very disappointed with her loss to Tasha Sia at the before the Impact pre-show match. And I know Rachel Allering was giving her like more of a words of encouragement to her saying like you have to hold up this anger ball it up and at under siege take it all out and that was a very much a very good words of encouragement from jordan from me from rachel aldering too i mean she is the queen of strong smile of course and then of course you have is tenille dashwood's all about me um talk show host where she is the guest and she has the co-guest kayla with the Okay, of course. And then out comes Taylor Wilde. Was she trying to talk to her, even though, like, Tanya dubbed her as her host? This is so weird, you guys. Like, it doesn't even make 
no sense whatsoever with Tennille Dashwood's all about me talk show segment. Like, why? We get it, Tennille. It's all about you. You're the star. You're the influencer. Even though you have not signed up for TikTok yet, I'm saying, you know. But, but yeah, I know Taylor Wilde made a deal that, like, she'll be tagging with her only at Under Siege. And afterwards, she's going on her separate way because the only thing she is trying to achieve is the knockouts title against Deanna Prazo. And, of course, she did confirm to Neil about, like, you know, how Tennille did help her cheated, which Taylor was pretty disappointed because she wanted to do it her own thing too. But so she left and Tennille was like very awkward. But then of course she did at the closing segment that Kayla with the K um, did complimented her. So yeah, I know I'm like all over the place. That was like right after the whole like um, good brothers, um, good brothers and just, um, Eddie Edwards situation type of deep, but yeah. Alrighty, you guys. And then you have is Brian Myers versus Crazy Steve. And I must say, I am very impressed with Crazy Steve's moveset. I mean, he does improve a lot. And I like his ring gear a lot, too. It's like so much better. Looks so badass, of course. So you saw like a lot of interference going on. You saw Rosemary holding up the card. And then you saw Black Taurus did push... Um, Brian Myers um, off before the referee injected him and Crazy Steve. And Steve and Brian did exchange at ringside, of course. So a lot of back and forth control going on. And of course, Brian Myers did deliver the roster cut and thus he picked up the victory, of course. And then afterwards, Black Toller spear the holy crap out of him. And that's where Rosemary did lie the tarot cards to Brian Myers. So just a message well sent. See what's going to be happening at Under Siege, you guys. So, yeah. And then, of course, you have is the main event match, you guys, which is the six-man tag team match between Moose, Sammy Callahan, and Chris Bay versus Chris Sabin, Trey Miguel, and Matt Cardona. It was a pretty solid match. I know it's, this is like the competitor for the, for the six-way match for the number one contendership for the impact world title and you know it's a lot of like more of like a double team move especially trey miguel you know like trey miguel and i believe it's chris bay they even though like they're not a tag team but like they're both heels it's like wow now that they've been going jabs at it chris bay with the close light off the distraction by moves and then he has moves in control of Trey until he gets a hot tag to Matt, who is clear on the other apron, hit the missile drop kick into the running close night in the corner, into the running boot. And then he have his like moves like, you know, with the top rope German suplex to Chris Saban. Like holy crap, it's a lot of counter. And then you saw that um Chris counter the package pile driver into the dragon screw from Trey. And, of course, everybody hits a big move until Sammy Callahan did deliver the package pile driver to Chris Saban. And the team of Sammy Callahan, Chris Bay, and Moose did pick up the victory. And thus, that's conclude the episode of Impact Wrestling before the Impact Wrestling Under Siege. Good show. Good developing a storyline. I am very impressed by it. It's pretty much like a solid... Um, better impact wrestling just to build more of a hype altogether. So I'm gonna be giving this grade a B plus all B plus. You guys, I enjoy the show. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and do the quick recap for the Impact Wrestling Under Siege, you guys, for Saturday, May 15th. So the opening of the match you have is 
Brian Myers defeated Black Taurus via pinfall win. Of course, it was a pretty good opening of the match. I know a lot of people have an issue with like signing in to Impact Plus since they actually no longer giving it for free. You have to have it signed up and pay description, which, you know, they did change a policy, which blows. So it's a lot of like back and forth counter going on. And of course, Black Taurus did almost did the crucifix um, bomb, but then for the two count, Brian did drop him with the Enziguri and hit the flatline for their near fall before hitting with the roster cut, and thus he picked up the victory. So overall, good opening of the match. And then you have the tag team match between Kimberly and Karen, I mean Susan, versus Tennille Dashwood and Taylor Watt. And that was a pretty much a solid knockouts tag team match. I am very interesting. However, Taylor Wilde did add an extra oomph to her theme song by having the extra ending with the guitar with If We Want It Both! Dunna. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's, I mean, If We Wanted To, that's the theme. But, yeah. So, I like the fact that Taylor and Tennille did um, work together, especially they did both have, like, the double team suplex and stereo to Susan and Kimberly, of course. Tennille did hit the neckbreaker in the ribs before Susan did attack her from the ringside. A lot of counter going on. Susan did um hitting a fisherman suplex to Taylor for two count, of course. Then you saw Kimberly did a couple kicks and of course an uppercut too. But then of course at the end, Taylor while well, gets the neophon for an inside cradle from Susan, and then she pins Susan with the classic Northern Light suplex, and thus the team of Tennille Dashwood and Taylor Wilde pick up the victory. And it's so funny that afterwards, um, Tennille was trying to get a picture taken with Taylor Wilde, and Taylor was, like, so disgusted. So she immediately runs a walk off the ring and leaving Tennille and Kayla with the K hanging, of course, but still posing, but yeah. And then afterwards, the next match you have is the Impact World Tag Team Championship number one contenders match. That's right. And I forgot to mention it on the Impact Wrestling. They did talk about like the number one contendership tag team match during this whole Swinger Palace segment, of course. Like, why? Yeah. And so you have Ace Austin and Madman Fulton versus Triple XL versus Rohit Roshu and Shira versus TJP and his new tag team partner, Petey Williams. So. It was a pretty impressive tag team match. I'm not going to lie. I did pay attention to all the movesets from each of the team perspective. But I feel it's kind of like a little bit too long and slow in the beginning too. However, you have Triple XL did um, corner Petey Williams. I mean, Jesus Christ. And then, of course, Petey Williams did hit the powerbomb before Madman Fulton did save Ace Austin from the Canadian Destroyer and drag him in the corner to tag in before Triple XL did send Fulton out and flying, you guys. Rohit Rocha did hit Ace Romero, AC Romero with a hammerlock DDT for two count before um, Larry D did ran into him and that's double teaming. Yeah. And then Ace Austin for the near fall. And of course, you guys, at the end, Ace and Madman Fulton did take down Triple XL and thus. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton did defeat it all tag teams, and thus they're going to be the ones that's going to be challenging Finn Juice for the Impact World Tag Team Champion, which, of course, they did announce that it's going to be taking place on the next episode of Impact Wrestling. Cannot wait. And then you have is 
W. Morrissey versus Willie Mack. And so I feel that this match is just more of a showcase from W. Morrissey, a.k.a. Big W, especially the fact that he's been like brutally attacking Willie Mack so hard. But I do give props to Willie Mack for putting one hell of a fight, despite the fact that like he's trying his best to stand his girl ground, but W was like really beating the crap out of him with a couple of jabs to a big boot and especially the rear chin lock like holy crap so willie mac did came back with the lariat and then he did try the running splash in the corner before big w hit with the black hole slam and then the running boot to running boot and thus he picked the victory so afterwards he still continued on to attack willie mac and out comes rich swan to thus make the save so it looks like we have is a feud that is setting up big time so between Rich Swan and W. Morrissey. Looking forward to it. Now, the next up is the Knockouts Tag Team Championship match between the champion Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering versus Fire and Flava. And that was a pretty much a solid tag team match. I am very impressed with everybody all together. Even the Fire and Flava did um, jumpstart the attack tag before the bell ring. And of course, Tasha with the song while Kira Hogan did deliver the cutter to Rachel. For a two count, Rachel took most of the beating, like, halfway through the match. But she did overcome it. Of course, I mean, she is, like I said, the queen of strong smile, of course. She did hit Kira Hogan with the neckbreaker before Cha Tasha chokes Rachel in the rope. And Fire and Flavor isolated Rachel until she got the hot tag to Jordan Grace. That's where Jordan started, you know, starting to attack Tasha Steele. And then she did attempt to do the Grace Driver... But, you know, kick out for a two count. And then you saw that Kira Hogan did actually did the slice bread number two to Rachel Ellering outside of the ring, which is pretty impressive. But, however, there has been more of, like, a distraction for Jordan Grace. So, unfortunately, you guys, Tasha Steele, funny, delivered the frog splash to Jordan Grace. And thus, Fire and Flava is your new Knockouts Tag Team Champion. Honestly, you guys, I feel that this title switch is way too soon. And for the fact that, like, I was even happy with the results, especially the fact that Jordan and Rachel just won the Knockouts Tag Team title at Rebellion, which was less than a month, less than a month ago, you guys. Like, seriously, I feel that with Impact Wrestling, they kind of dropped the ball already on Jordan Grace and Rachel Allery. I understand they're trying to do this whole storyline with Jordan Grace doubting herself, and she's, like beating up herself, and a possibility, a setup for a heel turn for Jordan Grace. But then again, I'd rather have them holding on to the linking title, which that knockout's tag team title is freaking less than a year old. Like, seriously. So this is going to be a classic 50-50 booking. I mean, what else do you expect? Anyway, I digress on the brief rant. So now we got is this whole Swinger Palace. Skip on that. Don't care. And then you have the X Division Championship match between the current champ, Josh Alexander, versus El Phantasma. And holy crap, I must say, this is the match of the night, you guys. A lot of takedown. A lot of technical um, signature move. I mean, it's so much trips to the max. You saw, like, ELP with the springboard head scissor for the two count before him and Josh exchanged top. Josh with the spider suplex before chopping Elvin Tasma at the ringside. 
so hard, and then he accidentally chopping at the ring post before Alpha Phantasma focused on his hand once they're back in the ring. I mean, they've been brawling outside the ring, and then among in the ring. It's like, it's so perfect, and it's a lot of close counting, especially with the near, near fall from Josh Alexander trying to deliver the ankle lock, but ELP did escape, of course. So, Alpha Tasma did um, deliver the Asahi Moonsault for the two count before hitting the neckbreaker for the second consecutive near fall before Josh hits a backbreaker. A lot of counters going on, but then at the end, Alpha Tasma did counter and Alali Anai lock before Josh did power bomb him into his knee and gravified the leg of Alpha Tasma before summoning him with the ankle lock, and thus Josh Alexander retained the X Division title. So is this the last time we're going to be seeing ELP? I doubt it, you guys. I mean, time would tell. And then you have the knockout championship match between Deanna Peraza, the current champ, with Kimberly and Karen. I mean, Susan versus Havoc. And that was a pretty solid match. And, you know, both ladies, they did an amazing job. Even though there has been a bit of a controversy about Havoc being the unsafe worker because of, like, the heavy-hitting moveset. But I don't see anything wrong with Havoc. I know she's trying to play it safe for, like, each other competitor. But... Then again, you have Deanna Prazo hit the running splash to the corner before Kimberly did actually pull Deanna out of the ring just to make sure she's okay. And Susan did distract Havoc before Deanna did came back to the ring to focus on her arms and set up with the submission to Havoc. But Havoc did briefly escape with the forearm into the corner. So a lot of back and forth going on. You saw Havoc hit the powerbomb into the Boston Crab to Deanna until rope break, of course. And then... And then you saw that Kimberly and Susan did try to distract Havoc, but Havoc did knock both the ladies down from the apron before countering the arm bar and hitting the running boot from Deanna Prazan. And at the end, Deanna hits a tornado arm bar out of nowhere with a Fujiwara arm bar, and thus Deanna Prazo did retain her knockouts title. That is right. It is a pretty solid match. But, you know, I would say, like, the match between Tennille and Taylor Wilde versus Kimberly and Susan was a tad better than expected. And, of course, the knockout tag team title match, too. And then you have the six-man tag team match between the Elite 2.0 versus Finn Juice and Eddie Edwards. By the way, Don Callis' intro to Kenny Omega is way better than Justin Roberts. And i just just saying. Good start, you know, slow pace, a lot of distraction, a lot of counters going on for both teams, respectively. Kenny Omega double-teaming um, before he takes control, and Doc whipped Juice Robinson into a corner before grounding him with the side headlock. Carl came back in and just hit in the side slam before getting into the hot tag to David, who knocks Doc and Kenny off the apron before hitting Carl with a diving up cut for two counts. And, of course, you saw that there's a lot of counter, a lot of deep cut, a lot of tag team maneuvers, too, from the Good Brothers. You saw that the Good Brothers was almost about to do the Magic Killer, but two count. Juice Robinson with the classic jab to Jock Howes until Kenny Omega did strike Juice with the V-trigger, of course. And then the Elite 2.9 delivered the triple power bomb to, I believe, Eddie Edwards. Yeah, for the two count. Juice and Eddie with the double suplex to Carl Anderson. I No, actually, it's Kenny Omega. But, however, the surprising turn event is, of course, Eddie Edwards did deliver the Tiger Driver to Kenny Omega for a two count. And then, of course, everybody else did their hit big move, of course. But then, again, Eddie Edwards with the Boston Knee Party. 
to Kenny Omega. And thus, the team of Eddie Edwards and Finjuice defeated the Elite 2.0. That, you guys, I was hella shocked in a major way because the fact that it was, you thought like the Elite 2.0 is going to be the one that's going to be defeating them, but no, it's the other way around. And I think that's kind of the way to build like more of a frustration, especially with the storyline going on with Kenny Omega, trying to let the Good Brothers know that the win-loss record in Impact, it does matter and they need to carry an Impact Wrestling. I know they're going to be giving them a bit of crap on the upcoming episode of AEW Dynamite, but I think they're just going to mention it briefly. I just hope they better mention it because if we want to do like a cross-promotion partnership, Mention it in a full. I mean, come on now. But that's just me. And now we're going to go to the main event match, the six-way match for the number one contendership match. Sammy Callahan, Chris Bay, Matt Cardona, Moose, Trey Miguel, and Chris Saban. It was a solid main event match. I am very impressed. Everybody delivered the big moveset like Sammy Callahan did the DVD to Matt Cardona, and Matt Cardona hit the missile dropkick. You saw that Trey and Chris Bay did deliver... The Tope Cone Hero in stereo that landed everybody outside of the ring. I mean, it was such an impressive moment in Impact Wrestling Under Siege. You saw Moose deliver a big drop kick to Chris Bay and then the top rope suplex to um, Chris Sabian. And then Chris Bay with the double stomp for the two count. Holy crap, is freaking incredible. And then... You saw that Sammy Callahan goes for a power driver, and then he got distracted, distracted, you know, by Chris Saban. And of course, they show like backstage that like Hall Anderson, no, never mind. Um, it was one last week, and then he stopped by Carl and Doc while they were pretty much distracted before Saban hits Matt with a cradle shot for two count, and then Moose breaks up. And that's where like Saban did trying to deliver Sunset Flick to Moose. But then again, Moose speared him not once, but twice, but the third spear. And thus, Moose is the one that's going to be facing Kenny Omega for the Impact World title. And it's going to be at against all odds. So I knew this match is, is predictable because the fact that like everybody just wanted Moose to be the one that's going to be challenging Kenny Omega and I think that is like pretty much the right call to do for the fact that it just needed to be more like cohesive altogether so yeah so Kenny Omega AAA Mega um championship he'll be facing Andrade Impact World Heavyweight he'll be facing Moose and the AEW World Heavyweight he'll be facing Pac and Orange Cassidy so there you have it, you guys overall the F the Under Siege Impact Plus special was tad better than the um, hardcore justice. I enjoyed a lot, even though I wasn't impressed with the results from the knockout tag team title match. I'm gonna give this, you know what? I'm gonna give it a A minus. I enjoy this impact plus special. Storyline has been developed, storyline may be ending, storyline's getting started. Everybody is just getting ready to set up for what's gonna be expecting next. So I'm looking forward to what's gonna be happening this Thursday on Impact Wrestling. All right, you guys, with that being said, that is it for. The episode of Into the Stratosphere. So if you wanted to send me a message or suggestion or anything, make sure to DM me on the social media platform, Twitter and Instagram at simply underscore C underscore OK. That's S-I-M-P-O-Y underscore C underscore OK. Follow me on TikTok. That's why I'm mostly on the app a lot at simply underscore C underscore O-K-A-Y. And yes, I do promote the podcast, of course. 
on my TikTok. And of course, make sure to follow my podcast, The Avengers and Wrestling Podcast at The Avengers and Wrestling. Link will be in a bio in my description, bio on all my social media platform. Make sure to follow the Teddy Turnbuckle's YouTube channel as well at Teddy Turnbuckle. Make sure to follow at the Bulletcast on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And make sure to subscribe to this YouTube channel at the Bulletcast. And also make sure to follow at Bulletcast on all podcasting platform with that being said you guys make sure to wash your hands 20 to 30 seconds um get vaccinated you guys so that way that if you get fully vaccinated you don't have to wear your face mask indoors and outdoors within the two-week period but the choice is yours but they recommend a cdc whatever but still you guys and with that you guys just remember please be kind of one another we're all in this together Till then, you guys, I'll see you guys in the next episode. This is Cindy G. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Cheers, y'all. This has been the Bulletcast. Thank you for listening.